Hey there, King of Kings family. Welcome into another episode of Beyond Sunday Sermons, the podcast where we take a Sunday message and just break it down a little bit further, get some extra insights and get some extra voices to talk about them. And we are continuing our series right now called Favorite Verse, which I think has just been really, really cool And that we've gone to different staff members and just been like, hey, what, what's your life verse? You know, if you had to pick one verse from the Bible that you really feel like speaks to you personally or that you center your life around, what would that be? And that's created some cool discussions. Uh, today we've got Caleb Hack. We get a chance to hear about his favorite verse. Um, Caleb, for, first of all, tell us a little bit about your love of Vala's pumpkin patch, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you are the number one Start fan on staff. I think this is a controversial topic right now because of just how expensive Vala's has gotten. <laughs> That's where all the conversation centered around now. But no, it's it's amazing. Uh, I've, I grew up going there and now we've got our baby that we we go and we had to put her up to the like measuring board, say she's this tall. And then if we go back in future years, it'll be cool to see how how much taller she gets but if you go back right you know yeah, you're going we're back, going man. back. Yeah. well you guys got that season pass so you can yeah. you can go four times a week we, we went three times and then it got cold so <laughs> <laughs> and it will probably remain cold yeah for yeah. time uh going on that was a good sentence mike <laughs> yeah what do you think this is mike white by the way he's the director of ministry here at king kings what do you think about valas we moved here 10 years ago and we said, what's unique to Omaha? And the one thing that came up was Vala's pumpkin patch. And so we didn't get it until we got here. And then it was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, when the kids were younger, they're now 15 and 12. So they kind of go by themselves now and that's fine. Uh, but when they were younger, it was super fun. And then seeing them add new things every year, the chicken coop with the egg shooter stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a highlight. The, 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 hard obstacle course. the, new, the hard cider is the new thing, which I, is great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's amazing. It's like turned into like a mini amusement park. I mean, they don't have the rides, but it's like so it's expanded so it's, much. They're it, adding rides now. Are they really? That? Yeah, they've got See, this I'm new a couple like years scrambler behind. thing. Yeah, they've got a new like scrambler thing. So is, yeah. is Valus sponsoring this episode? They're totally we... sponsoring it. Is, <laughs> they are now. My Thanks, favorite Valis. verse has everything to do with Valus today. So. We, we probably should get into the should Bible a little bit here. <laughs> so, Caleb, let's take a look at your favorite verse. Uh, it's actually two verses. First uh, Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Yeah. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. That's the NIV version, which is important to note because we're going to talk about a different version yeah. coming up later in this conversation. But first, I just want to start at a high level. What is it about those verses that is important to you, that speaks to you? Yeah, well, uh, I picked those verses for my confirmation, which... It's funny because it was 16 years ago yesterday, and my mom sent me some pictures of that yesterday, and I was like, wow, well, that works out. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I grew up in the faith, and you, you get through it uh, in the Lutheran faith, and then you go junior high about you, you go into confirmation, and that's where you really profess your faith in front of the congregation. You learn uh, through Luther's small catechism and everything, and um, you pick like a life verse. So I picked... Um, this verse, um, I think I picked it because I was looking for a verse that talked about courage because my name Caleb means courage, or that's one of the meanings, the other meaning we can get into later if you want. But, um, I, I, I really liked that first part of it initially when I chose it, you know, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Um, I think those are important things, but, um, 
verse 14 is pretty short, do everything in love. And that that's the part that I think has really stuck with me. Um, it, it's just speaking to how you want to live out your life and live out your faith and, and what it means to do everything in love um, is super important. So yeah, that's really, really stuck with me through the years. Mike, uh, you're the king of context. Oh boy. Can you just, well, just give us a little bit of um, context about this letter. This is Paul's letter yeah, to the Corinthian right. church. What was going on at this time? Why is he writing to them? What, what's going on with the Corinthians? Yeah, so so Corinth was a big city. Um, this is one of his longer epistles or just letters to churches. What we see, this is unique with Corinthians, I think, is he's referencing a letter they've already written to him. And so there's probably some other correspondence. So we have two recorded letters uh, in Corinth, but there might've been four, maybe more than that. I don't know if scholars really know or agree on that. Corinth was a metropolitan city and the church was a mess. I mean, if you want to look at what not to do as a church, it's kind of the first Corinthians letter, just division. There was a lot of um, other gods that they worship. And so you saw Christians kind of straddling the line of, yeah, I'm kind of in the Christian faith, but then I'm also in these temple worships and sacrifices and stuff like that. Uh, division, sexual morality, they're called out in chapter five, I think. It's just all throughout. And then kind of what's customary for, for Paul, he, his his longer letters, he typically wraps with something like that, where it's almost this grab bag, collect all at the end where he gives some shout outs to people, thanks people, encourages them, has some other theology at the end. Uh, but yeah, Corinthians both have that Romans, you see Galatians, a smaller portion, but there's typically at the end of that. So that's kind of in this, this end of that. I, I think what you just said is kind of interesting. I mean, it's very interesting, but you, you know, you're talking about there's, there's division, there's these outside temptations where Christians are kind of wavering a little bit. So it makes a lot of sense. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, like stand firm. He's saying to them, like, that's a reminder, but then do everything in love. That almost feels like a little bit of a separate component. Like all those first four phrases, there, all kind of like build upon each other. And then all of a sudden love comes in. What, what do you guys think about that? Why do you think Paul included that there? Yeah, this feels like it. I mean, you kind of said it, this is his catch all end of the, the, the letter, final instructions. He goes from talking about um, Apollos and and who's going to visit, and then these two verses, which kind of sums up, I think, almost everything he's yeah. wanting to tell them. Yeah. And then he goes into these other people um, are visiting or go in different places, and so um, yeah, those those are just really the summary of everything he wants the Corinthians yeah. to uh, to get from this letter: be watchful, stand from the faith. Um, you know, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love, summarizes it all. So the uh, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. You know, I think it's interesting because the the other passage or the other uh, version we were looking at too is really talking about like men, the leaders of the church, and then the do everything in love almost feels tacked on like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we'll do everything in love. So how can you be firm in the faith? How can you be on your guard? How can you have courage, but do that in a loving way? Yeah. And and I think further context. So it was a polytheistic society. Mm-hmm. And so it was normal to have temples for all the Greek gods. And what you would do is basically you, you were going to battle, then you would go to the temple of, I think it was Artemis and you would just offer sacrifices there. And usually there was temple prostitutes and stuff there. So like you would go there for what you needed. And then, so kind of what beauty which I need obviously, but you would go to the, the temple of Aphrodite or whatever it might be. And you'd offer sacrifices in hopes of beauty. 
And so they, they were normally just everyday life, go to whatever temple you had a felt need need for. And so like you were saying that the stand firm, it's like, th- this is it. Watch be on your guard, watch what's going around in society. We're calling you to one faith. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a v- vast departure from the culture in Corinth at the time. Caleb, you referenced briefly there, the, uh, um, the other translation mm-hmm. that we want to talk about today, yeah. and that's the ESV version. Again, I'll read the NIV, and then we can compare it to the ESV. So the NIV, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. The ESV says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do, let all that you do be done in love. What What do you guys think about the differences there? What stands out? Yeah, the uh, so the difference in in translations is interesting to me always because the NIV is more of a kind of thought for thought um, translation, whereas the ESV is definitely more word for word. So it's more likely, you know, Paul used the word for men, act like men. And that's the real difference we see here is that, well, is he talking to just the men in the town or is he talking to everyone? Um, and I mean, it was a patriarchal society. So the men were kind of the leaders, but, but you don't always think of men as, oh, these loving people, right? <laughs> we tend to, uh, be a little bit more, I don't know, aggressive or hard. Uh, yeah. 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 Hard. And so let all that you do be done in love. How is that acting like a man? You know, how, how do men show love? I think that's, what's really interesting to me about that translation. How do we show love? Yeah. Be like men, act like men. It's kind yeah. of a cool, and I, I don't fully know like what it was back then to, to be a man. I couldn't give you, mm. I think I know growing up for me, there were these false images of what being a man was and it was tough and it was lacking emotion and it was mm. always confident and, mm-hmm. and you never admit wrong. And it was like, ah, there's just this false perception of what it means to, to be a man. And so I think being a man in this couple of verses, it's there's all there's strength, but there's gentleness married together. Mm. I think you see Jesus with that where he has, he has bold truth, but he has grace mm-hmm. and he has compassion. It's like this perfect mix. So I think I know for me in my journey as, as a Christian man, I've had to reorient what it means to be a man mm. in culture. I don't know if you guys resonated with that or dealt with that at all. Yeah. I think for me, like when I think of be a man, you know, it's easy to think like, Oh, into sports or into, you know, manly things or hunting, or I don't know what it is. And, um, but, but I've, I've really started to equate it with more humility and versus, you know, being the more aggressive or, um, you know, person who's taking charge or leading, but like, how can you lead from a posture of humility? And, and when you're doing that, how is that like showing love to others? And, and as we lead and as we, um, you know, spend time with our families or with our friends, like, it's important for us to to recognize like, you know, we do have leadership qualities in different areas, but like everyone's important. You know, we're all, you know, children of, of God and, and loving one another in that way is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think in our Western society, I think that the, the concepts of act like men and do everything in love are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. I think act like men is more so, be self-sufficient. Like you said, Mike, kind of be not, uh, don't be emotional, Um, you know, be, be level-headed, be firm. And it's uh, some of those are good qualities, but when you think of do everything in love, if you are treating other people respectfully, like so many of those things that we 
associate with manliness, they can be, you know, part of do everything and love as well. And I think I didn't recognize this growing up, but my dad is just a great example. Just the way that he treats my mom, the way that he treated us kids, that he treated the people around him. I mean, was everything that he did done in love? Maybe not, <laughs> but, but no one, no, like that's the case for anyone. And I think, you know, being able to look at people's lives who you admire and say, that's what, you know, authentic manhood looks like. I think if you really examine their lives, you see that they try to live out first Corinthians 16, 14 as well as they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that really speaks to the question like, well, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, but, we're but going there. How do we how do we love and what what is what does it mean really to love? How do how do I show that love? And so I was looking at, you know, the kind of the Greek language that was used in this letter and the word love he uses is agape, which I think we talk about probably the most is the highest form of love and there's actually eight Mike thought there was four, but there's eight. You corrected me. Yeah. There's eight Greek words for love. And so agape is the selfless godly love. So that's the one that Paul is telling us. We need to do everything with a selfless right. godly love. And my thought when I was, you know, re looking at this verse as my favorite verse was, well, like everything I do in one way or another is kind of an act of love or an act of worship, really. Um, it's either like I'm loving myself or I'm loving others or I'm loving God in some way. Everything I do is probably falling into one of those categories. But what Paul is saying is do everything with that selfless, godly love. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. So you think everything you do is out of love. Define love. Yeah, that's, well, that's what we're trying to do. So the love in the way of, you know, like you think of maybe self-love or selfish love almost. It's all about me. What am I doing to, you know, make myself look better or take care of myself or put myself first? You know, that might be a kind of love. And some of these other ones, um, you know, self-love, the Greek word phil philatia is like that's a, a, a love, a, a word for love that they had. So um, everything does something in that way. They've got like mania, obsessive love. Um, the other ones we talk about, um, philia, affectionate love. Um, eros is the romantic or passionate love. Um, storge, familiar love. So there's all these different types of love. Yeah. So that's the way that I look at right. it is like, okay, I'm loving in these different ways. And then you want to look at, okay, well, What's the most important out of that? How does God love me? And you you want to show that love to others in in a way that it's giving of yourself. And and I don't always do that. Right. I, I, nobody can always do that. Jesus was the only perfect yeah. person, and he showed that kind of love. So we need to model our love after him. And our love isn't always like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's good. I think if there's probably a healthy and unhealthy, so we might use the word love, right. but. It, yeah, maybe what what's at the center of my decisions, and it mm -hmm. could be healthy versus like you said, selfish love. I probably mm -hmm. that's almost an oxymoron. It kind you know of I mean? is, yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, that's not really love, but it's putting me at the center, right. and it could be in a healthy way, it could be in an unhealthy way. But the ideal is that agape, that unconditional, self sacrificial, yeah. and that's what Jesus showed. That's what Jesus did, one hundred percent. You know, when he would give his life yeah. for us, right. he that's the ultimate act yeah. of yeah. unselfish yeah. love, yeah. and you know, that's what faith is all about. And so when we're told to, you know, do everything in love, 
I don't know that I would sacrifice myself for for you, Mike. I don't Ouch. know. <laughs> that hurts, man. It, it, but but that's what Jesus does for us. And, yeah. and you want to get to that point where you're willing to give give everything to follow Jesus. That's cool. You you said something earlier. I was yeah. reading through this this morning, and he kind of gives his shout outs. And there mm-hmm. there's some familiar names of Apollos. You see Apollos reference in I think it's chapter three. He was a, a pastor, church planner in, in Corinth also. But then later on, and this is where the Christian faith broke the mold. You see in verse 19, uh, Priscilla and, and Aquila, who were huge leaders in the early church, very wealthy, had a house church. They actually ran the church, I believe, but very big supporters. So it's kind of cool that you see them shouted out in verse 19 in kind of that closing chapter. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating when you dig into each of these people a little bit more. And then even we had in one of our uh, sermons, I think it was the the all in on on giving that I did, where if you look at the beginning of it, they're talking about the collection for God's people. And so that was the the Macedonian churches in Second Corinthians 8, they're taking a collection for the Jerusalem Christians. So like you, you just see all the Bibles just interwoven together. Mm. So like we might see it as a standalone letter, but it goes into Acts and it goes into Second Corinthians and it goes like you just see it all throughout. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And Paul's spreading this message to all these people and yes. they're taking it and yes. they're doing their missionary work right you know with these words in their mind right. so that's yeah, cool it's good uh i think you know we're talking so much about love right now probably some of the most well-known verses about love are also in mm-hmm. this letter a couple chapters before in first corinthians 13 i mean if you've been to a wedding you've heard Many of these verses, love, uh, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, you know, yada, yada, love never mm-hmm. fails. I, you know, just looking through all of 1 Corinthians 13, and then knowing that Paul is going to say, do everything in love at the end of his letter, a couple chapters later, it's almost like he he drops this truth bomb on him. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, hey, that, that thing that I told you about love, that's really important. I go, serious, maybe go yeah. back and read that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was serious about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely some of the the most used passages on love right there. Um, and you just think again about like, what was the Corinthian church really struggling with? You know, I, we, we don't know what their questions to Paul were necessarily, but we get the answers and he's talking about love. So they weren't loving well. They were taking love and and doing things that they thought were maybe love in a different way. But he gives them the, the reminder of this is, this is what love really is. It's patient. It's kind. Um, love doesn't end, you know, it endures all things, hopes, all things. It, it goes on. Yeah. They, they twisted that. I think that kind of goes back to that selfishness we mm-hmm. talked about earlier yeah. and you see it. I mean, chapter five is interesting where I think he's sleeping with like his mother-in-law or something. Mm-hmm. Wait, and who's then, he here? They don't name one him, of the thankfully. leaders of the church. Yeah, okay. one of the okay. leaders in the church. I was going to say, like, are we talking about being we're talking doing yeah. this? And, and I don't think the we don't know the exact size of this church, but it probably wasn't like King of Kings huge, where you're a thousand people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably fifty, and you know people knew everyone. each other's business, more, more yeah. like a house, church, and you're living yeah. right next to families, and yeah. you're breaking bread, and you're doing life together. They knew everything. They that knew was everyone yeah. that was that he's referencing, and then it's like the, the Lord's Supper. It's like stop, stop getting drunk and take doing communion this way. Like what's going on? So yeah, Paul reorients. And I would, I would say too, yeah, I've been a number of weddings and Corinthians 13's almost always there. It applies to marriage, but that's not the context in which Paul's writing it. If you look at chapter 12, it's like one body, many parts. So the church is what he's talking about with this love. 
we can take it and apply it to marriage. I think it's true, but he's just saying that the church is a unique community of believers that functions this way. So that's where love is patient. Love is kind. You're walking with one another. There's truth, there's humility, there's love that comes together in that great community. Mm-hmm. I think you make a great point there, Mike. And I've got, I mean, as, as Sarah and I, my wife, as we were kind of preparing for marriage, we really centered in on first Corinthians 16, 14. Like that was our verse, do everything in love. And I actually have that inscribed on the middle of my wedding ring here. And our thinking was just, you know, if we, as impossible as this is, if we can strive to do everything, everything we do, everything we think is about loving the other person, we can't fail. Like that's the, the bedrock of a successful marriage. And I think that you're, you're definitely right, Mike, and that these verses extend beyond marriage. This isn't Paul just saying, Hey, husbands and wives do everything to each other in love. He's saying it to everyone. But I think that marriage provides, you know, a great example and that, yeah, I screw up and I do things that make Sarah mad or disappoint her. But for the most part, I want to do things that make her happy. I I want to, I don't buy flowers for anyone else, but I'll buy flowers for Sarah because I love her. And I, I'm, that's an act of love, you know, things like that. And if we can apply that to other people in our lives, you know, it it looks different for each person. The way that I love you, Mike, is different than the way that I would love my mom. But if we act towards each other in love, like that's how we build this thing. That's how we get non-Christians looking at us and being like, what's different about those people? Who's this Jesus guy that they're following? Yeah. And if you think about marriage, I mean, you're what, three, three, four years coming up? Four, yeah, you're five-ish. We're almost yeah. five. Almost five. Five in March. So we were 20 in, in August. And I just think it's, so, I'm so radically different now than I was 20 years ago. And man, selfishness is is death to a marriage. And so I, I know there are seasons of that, trying to grow out of that, grow up, m- maturing, uh, becoming humble, hearing your spouse. Mm. And, and for me, it's, you, you guys know me, pretty well, but like, I'm very, very logical. And so I I can build my case and be right pretty quickly or defend myself. And so what I had to learn early in marriage was I I would sacrifice the relationship to be right. Mm. And it was dangerous. And so then it's like, again, what's my motivation here? It's, it's to be right, not to hear Liz's heart and work through something together. And so I don't know, that's my wisdom, humility, my favorite quality in people. And I don't know how a marriage can be successful if you don't have humility. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and leading in marriage from, from a position of leading in faith too. Yeah. Like we have this opportunity to lead our families in faith and, and do that in a loving way. And right now, you know, we just had a, our baby and she's, she's four months old now. And it's so easy for me to be like, Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do the chores. Or I don't, I don't want to help out in, in a different way. Like, you know, but, but being sacrificial in my love is really giving and that's, what's going to give life to our marriage. And then when I look at that too, like we were talking about with other people who maybe we're not close with, or if somebody else has a need and and we need to serve them too, it's how can I sacrifice and, and love in that way? Yeah. Made me think of Ephesians five. I think it's a controversial section, but it talks about mm. wives submit to your husbands. And we just stop there and people are irate about the word submit. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just like read the context, get into it a little bit more. Like Christian marriage was actually really unique in the culture where it was definitely equality between, but then go to 25 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's like, mm. okay, we get stuck on the word submission, but 
keep going and husbands, you're called to mm-hmm. die continually mm-hmm. for your wife. Well, do you think about how Jesus loved and how he lived and how yes. he submitted yes. to his father in heaven? Yep. You know, and he he's he's there in the garden asking God, take this cup from me. Like, if it's your will, I will do it. But I don't want to yeah. die. I don't want right. to sacrifice right. like that. And right. nobody does. Right. I don't know that Jesus necessarily would say he didn't want to, but like he's like balancing that. How do I how do I do this love that's the ultimate yeah. sacrifice? And that's what he does for us. And if Jesus can sacrifice yeah. for us and we're supposed to follow his example, like how can we love others? Yeah. And that's that transformation. I think you're right in the garden. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to think that he he obviously wanted to, but I yeah. think he realized that the gravity and weight of it yeah. in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, right. but that that sacrifice is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I was going back to identity. So because of Christ's love for us, we have new identity. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see. Paul goes back to it in his letters a lot. And he goes back to like, as dearly loved children of God, therefore act this way. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's always going back to identity that informs behavior, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Real good stuff, guys. I mean, we just hit on a lot of topics, a lot of good stuff about love. Um, as we as we wrap up here, is there anything else about 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14 that that you want to hit on or, or maybe something I mean obviously we've we've touched on a lot of really good stuff I think so far today but is there anything that you would just really hope that someone listening or watching to this takes away from it and that that's their takeaway for the day. Yeah, I think also the the be strong. Like it's just one simple phrase, be strong. Where does our strength come from? Mm-hmm. You know, does it come from internally is it myself am I providing the strength or you know, as he talks about, stand firm in the faith, be on your guard, be courageous. Like those are qualities we get from God. And so our strength comes from God. Our ability to love comes from God. God is love, right? So so we want to be able to take that and, and, and have the strength to love in that humble, godly, selfless way. Yeah. Uh, two thoughts. I think as I've matured and grown in my knowledge of the word, my relationship with the Lord, I think Christianity is an internal relationship that then drives the external, if that makes sense. Mm. I think as, as a kid, I've, I flipped those. And so it was kind of this behavior modification where you like look and perform a certain way, but I was trying on my own power. And so I think when you dig into scripture, it's, it's an internal transformation. We talk about, we transform lives, King of Kings, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a heart change that then drives your behavior. Um, and then second thing, shout out to Valis pumpkin patch one more time. Uh, your, your kettle corn kills it. So I love it. That's, that's all I got today. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to end it than that. King and King's family, let's keep living our lives beyond Sunday. 